Hi, everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And this is A Date with Dateline. And this episode is A Secrets in the Desert. No, you don't like it. You're shaking your head already. No, I'm, sh- I'm shaking my head because I have things to say about the title. Uh, it is episode 31 of season 25. It aired May 19th and hosted by Dennis Murphy. Now, we are doing this intro for the second time. Because we had a deep, deep dive conversation about our feelings on Dennis Murphy. Mine are not as glowing as they are for Keith and Mankiewicz. And I think God punished us by ruining our recording twice when we were talking ill of Dennis Murphy. Or I was. Katie liked, loves him. He's, yeah. He smite, he smite you down. He smited, the Lord he smited smite us. You down. Yeah. Yes. Yes. He, sm- he smoted me because I... I've been smoted because I talked ill of Mr. Murphy. Not ill, just said he was not my all-time favorite. But I think I have to take it back because i got to do what God wants if he will make this podcast run smoothly. That's how I get he gets me to do things, God, by putting glitches in our podcast. It's not smoted. Smite, smote, smote, smited. Had done smited. <laughs> I don't know. Smite. Smit me. No, I'm a Jew. You know I don't know those things. You know Old Testament, and if God is smiting, it's in the Old Testament. So in the Old Testament... I read it in Hebrew, and the words would be different. That's what I'll oh, say. My excuse is... such an excuse. <laughs> I, don't, so I don't know what, the, what it is in English vernacular. That is... <laughs> I'm speechless. Okay. Move along. I'm, I'm going to pull Move out along, Hebrew please. school yeah. as an excuse for everything. Hebrew school. So, yes, this episode is called Secrets in the Desert, which I think it's the second episode they did, which we also talked briefly, but God got upset with us and ruined the podcast again. But there was another episode, I think, called Secrets in the Desert, and it was this very old man, and he was adorable. He had facial hair, not like butt chin in this episode, but like better facial hair. I know, huge butt chin. But this man was older and he was wearing what I've been informed is not a bolero but a bolo tie the little thing with the little things that hang down the little boat yeah little it'll tie be like a it'll the be Southwest. like a, a cow skull or something and yeah it's like yeah, the, yeah he wore one of those he went to jail for a crime I'm not gonna say more about it because it's a pretty good episode but I believe it was also called secrets in the desert because people were murdered in the desert and he was convicted for it so they're basically recycling titles at this point, I think. There's another desert one. There's a one with a woman and her husband. They were in like the army or the air force. Do you remember this one? They're in like they're in one of the armed services and they're like on leave and she's having an affair with the next door neighbor who's also in the army yes. and then they drive out to the desert. Is that one? Do yes. you know the one I'm talking about? Is that yes, Secrets I in do. the Desert? No. But I know which one you're talking about. She was okay. a younger girl? Yes. Yeah, I know. I remember exactly. And she was claiming to be pregnant, but maybe wasn't pregnant. There was something right. going on. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but it didn't. I I know exactly which one you're talking about. But yeah, I think this other one with the bol- bolo, bolero was you're, called. You just like <laughs> to say bolero. Bolero, it's not right. Did you learn that in Hebrew school? <laughs> I did. I'm trying to be respectful of the southwestern culture because we diss a lot of other states on this podcast. And I don't think we should be dissing the Southwest, although there's plenty to diss in this episode because... Is it because they're our neighbors and they could come after you? I just feel like we're 
we're discriminating against possible listeners and we should try to be more open and inclusive. But really, you guys in Arizona, the hair, the facial hair was something else. There could be a whole episode about that. That's not that's not having to do with Arizona. We'll get into it. That has to okay. do with the profession. That has to do okay. what happens to firemen when they reach 45. Okay. That's something that this is a lifestyle choice. What's the excuse of the hair of the women lawyers in this episode? I don't know. The air is very dry. Yeah, so it frizzes it, and then they gel it to moisten it. And then the excess gel hardens, and then something's going on. We got to send some stylist people over there. We just got to send some beauty supplies. Yeah. My friend who lives in Arizona is adorable. She's not a lawyer, though. Maybe that's the thing. They're too busy solving bones out in the desert to worry about their hair. Apparently, because they open and close. All right, so let's get into it. What Do you have anything about our opening? Dennis tries to be kind of poetic like Mankiewicz and Keith. I did write down fades to dark, covering secrets and old bones for another night. That's as pretty much as romantic as he gets. He does describe Marilyn, the mother's phone call to 911, as an anguished mother's cry for help. But she's like totally calm, not to jump ahead, but she's very calm in the 911 call. Later, she's anguished. Yes. But I would not say she was anguished then. No. Okay, so we're in Tucson, Arizona. We meet Dave Watson, a.k.a. Buttchin, a man with the greatest, worst chin, dimple, butt. It's really I've ever intense. seen. And I normally like those. I know, because I hate it. I hate John Travolta. I like those. I love John Travolta. I, I had can't. a poster of him on my college dorm wall, and my roommate thought that his mole on his chin, she thought it was a mole, was going to fall off and like eat her while she was sleeping. She was so grossed out by the chin, and I loved his chin. But I've realized with Dave Watson that if it's a little bit shiny and maybe a little porous, like he needs some like Biore strips on it, it's so much worse. And when it's framed by like a Fu Manchu mustache, it's like perfectly framed. So it was all, you couldn't not look at it the whole episode. Why does he not grow hair there to cover it up? First of all, we should be referring to it as a dimple chin to be polite, but I don't think it grows in there. How does hair grow sideways? Where's that chin from? What's the or like what's the origin of the chin? I don't know. Irish? What who has that chin? Oh I, I do not know. I, and I normally like it. I like it ninety nine percent of the time. I have yeah. found the one time I do not like it. And it is on Dave Watson in this episode. It's really pronounced. It changed my view of them completely. In 1993, he meets Linda, who is spontaneous and spunky, funny and sweet. She probably loved life. They don't say it, but we know she did. She liked to party a lot. And her best friend, whose name is Marnell. I love the best friend, Marnell. Never heard that name before. What is that name? Marnell. There are so many people in this episode. It is so hard to keep track of them. I don't know how we're going to describe it if people didn't watch it, because it is quite confusing. There were several people on Twitter who were like, it's an hour and a half in, and I finally learned everyone's names. So the main two people at the beginning are Dave with the butt chin, 
Linda, his partying wife, and her friend Marnell is kind of a side character. They are all hanging out, being young, and in their photos, it's that very Budweiser and cigarettes kind of fun. Yes. Red cup fun. Yes. There's lots of camo jackets. Yeah. And then Dennis Murphy says, these were like cool kids, the kids on the float in high school. Really? They would not be on in my high school, but I think that it was very 90s, but it felt very 80s. Like, it was in the 90s, but it felt very 80s to me. Maybe that's Arizona. Early 90s. Early 90s. It's 1993. He would not have been the kid on the float. She was fine. She was cute in some pictures, other ones not so much. No, they were in. They were the kids that were getting older brothers and sisters to buy them beer and doing donuts in the parking lot in the high school. Yes. Right? Or yes. cow tipping. Maybe they were cow, cow tipping. tipping. Yeah. Yes. So they settle down. They get married. They buy a house. It's kind of a dump. Even the friend says that lovingly. They have baby girl Jordan, who is now stunning, like a model. She's grown up. Oh, my goodness. Like, so pretty. And since they have a baby girl and they both work, there's a new person that enters. Very important. Marilyn, Linda's mother, the mother-in-law, comes to live with them in a back house that he builds for her. At first, Dave and the mother-in-law get along fine, but then it gets kind of strained, as it would, you would think. Always. And Yes. And then he and Linda separate. He says he still loves her, but is just not in love with her. And the same year he meets, here's another important name, Rosemary, who runs a karaoke bar. This sounds fun. It sounds fun. It sounds like a lot of Budweiser and, and smoking cigarettes kind of fun yeah. in the desert. And they fall hard and fast. She saw him across the room with his chin butt and was like, I am into that. And she asked him to dance. They hook up right away. And I was like, him? Really? Is he funny? I didn't but get he's it. Like a, he's a fireman. He's a fireman. That has some appeal. She, watching her now interviews, she looks a lot older. She is a lot older. She's 15 years older. But in the older pictures, she looks pretty cute. Mm -hmm. And they're actually kind of a cute couple in some of the older pictures. He has Jordan from his marriage with Linda, and she has a little girl. Rosemary has a little girl. So they get married, and they have the two little girls. All right, is everyone with me so far? Yes. Now, Linda herself moves on after the divorce. She meets a guy, Jr. There is... Apparently, like, only one picture of this man exists in the world. <laughs> do we ever see another picture of him? And no, he's but we smoking. get to see him. We do get to see him much later. He is, uh, does he have facial hair? I can't even remember in this one picture. There might be a mustache. I feel like he's bald, yeah. And he has, he's smoking a cigarette, maybe a joint, not sure. He's older than Linda, and Linda told her best friend. Marnell. Marnell that name which i kept writing down as carvel so that was cool and then carnal i was doing a weird like association with her sorry hmm. linda told marnell that jr was sexy ew it's gross then everything changes dun 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 so we've kind of established who these characters are yeah that all happens every the marriage divorce all of that takes place i guess within six years because yeah, our crime, or our supposed crime, takes place on August 21st, 2000. And they were married in 1994. 
So, I mean, it's pretty. They're, like, married for just a few years, and they break yeah. up. So, on August 21st, 2000, uh, Monday, Marnell gets a call from Marilyn. Is Linda with you? Panicked phone call. Marilyn calls 911 to report her daughter missing. The detectives show up. They find Linda's car is still in the driveway. There is a broken or a shattered mug in the doorway, and her pager was left there. But apparently she has her purse, which I found interesting. Marilyn then calls Pat, her younger sister, and Dave, the ex-husband. Now, Pat is amazing. Yes, we like Pat. Yes, we get to we get to meet Marilyn, the mom's two sisters, and they're adorable. They're really cute. We meet Bobby Cutesy and Pat Hinkle, but Pat does most of the talking. So she gives her sister a call and says, you know, I'm nervous, and calls Dave, the ex-husband. Dave is apparently not worried at all. He's like, oh, well, she just went missing. Give her some time. She'll come back. She's probably out partying. Right, exactly. And then so three days later, Dave comes to drop Jordan off, and Linda is still not home, which I have a, I found that strange, that Dave had not spoken to Marilyn in the interim of those three days. And still showed up for the custody visit. Yeah. Right. And still showed up to drop off Jordan to see Linda, the mom. Seemed odd. Yes. So then next, Marilyn wants the police to talk to, of course, JR, because JR is the most recent boyfriend. JR starts talking about how Linda is a very heavy drinker, and apparently there were some other people that were intimating that Linda was a partier, but it's mm-hmm. really, she's an alcoholic, right? Yeah. It's pretty clear. Yeah. The drinking got bad, and he said that's why they recently broke up. So now we find out that they're not actually a couple. They're not a couple. Not only that, she is going through the process of losing custody of Jordan because of her excessive drinking. She's also lost her job because of her drinking. Right. Oh, and JR is also going to be testifying against her in this upcoming custody hearing, which we'll get to in a second. That The custody hearing becomes very important. But apparently Linda had joined a 12-step program, not really sticking to it. So a few nights before she'd gone missing, she had been out with her cousin at a bar that was way out of town and i'm guessing the bar was out of town so people would see her drinking yeah maybe the circle s saloon and then she had set up a meeting with her church sponsor but then never showed up for the meeting so jr says that linda had said to him if i lose custody of my daughter i'll shoot myself right but then he goes against her after they break up and he agrees to testify for her ex-husband dave so that Dave could get custody of Jordan with his new wife, Rosemary. That seems weird to me. Very strange that they're all buddy-buddy now. Well, Marilyn, Linda's mom, says that JR was controlling. She never liked JR. Neither did Pat, the aunt. JR sometimes went to pick up Jordan with Linda, so he had met Dave and Rosemary. That's how he started talking with them and then finally said, I'm worried about her drinking. I don't think she should have custody of Jordan. Two days before she disappeared... Linda calls to report JR is banging on her windows and her doors. He says he was just trying to pick up his stuff because they had broken up. So she is like filing a restraining order against him. Then we find out that Rosemary and Dave also had a restraining order against JR. How weird is that? This was bizarre. I guess he had come to pick up Jordan and he was banging on the door and he freaked out Rosemary. So they got a restraining order. But then it calmed down after they broke up. And he came to their side. But back me up on this. That was the most vague story I've ever heard. It was something like, well, he was banging on the door real loud and he had a tone. 
Yes. It was his tone that frightened me and it made me frightened for the girls. I think Rosemary was really like underselling it because yes. they didn't they were friends now with JR, but they didn't want to say what the real incident was because you can't get a restraining order against someone for just knocking on your door and having a tone. That's you right. can't. They won't right. grant you a restraining order for that. Right. He would have to have threatened them. That's true. And so what what really happened? Well, Rosemary Rosemary has some stories t- to tell. She has some we don't know what Rosemary's deal is. I'm not Rosemary sure. has a deal. So <laughs> there's a deal with Rosemary. We'll get to it. So anyways, after he and Linda break up, he agrees to testify so that Rosemary and Dave can get custody of Jordan because of Linda's drinking. And the custody agreement is scheduled for a few days after Linda goes missing. And she's missing, so she doesn't show up. So Rosemary and Dave get temporarily full custody of Jordan, the little girl who's four. Marilyn, Linda's mom, is furious. She goes back to Linda's house to check for evidence. I don't know. She finds blood that she didn't see before. And then the cops come and they find a lot of blood and it is Linda's blood. And I didn't know that DNA was around then, but I guess it was. But I guess this was 2000, I guess. Marilyn, the mom, keeps pointing the finger at JR, but Linda's ex-husband, Dave, keeps defending him, saying... No, he was the only one who was worried about her drinking. He really cared about her. I don't think he did anything. And so these two men, the ex-husband and the ex-boyfriend, both have alibis. Dave says that he was with Rosemary all night, and she says yes. JR has a new girlfriend already, because women cannot stay away from JR, and his girlfriend says that he was there all night. So the case goes in the vault, which Dennis perks up. He likes hearing about a vault. And it is like where the cold cases go. Yeah. And it is very well organized, that vault. Did you notice that? I wanted to go in and peek in all those files. They're all cold cases. Or as Dennis says, a tomb where mysteries lay barren. But it's a vault because it's like an old bank building. This is kind of cool. So Marilyn, the mom, is not giving up on her daughter's disappearance. She puts out billboards, like huge billboards. She also wants to see Jordan, the granddaughter. So she starts causing a ruckus. She files a lawsuit for unsupervised visitation rights with her granddaughter, Jordan. And Dave and Rosemary fight back. They do not want the grandma to be with her because they think she might just up and take her and they won't ever get to see her again. So Rosemary gets pregnant again and she's like super nesting. She's super obsessed with her stepdaughter, Jordan. So she formally adopts Jordan while she's pregnant with Dave's new baby. So they'll have a nice family of three. She puts out birth announcements for Jordan, which would be really cute, except something about Rosemary is not cute. She puts out birth announcements like, I gave birth to a four-year-old daughter, you know, 62 pounds and three feet, whatever tall. I've seen people do it and it's very cute. But I, something is not cute about it with Rosemary. It just Jordan false. doesn't like it. Yeah, they cut to Jordan, and Jordan was not impressed. She was like, no. I'm just doing it to make my dad happy. I just didn't want to disappoint anybody. I really wasn't that into her as my new mom. She just doesn't seem that into it. So you're kind of like, what's going on there? So Jordan is clearly like a daddy's girl. Especially since her mom went missing, she gets scared and she worries that her dad's going to go missing too. So he calls her every night 
which Dennis can't believe. He's like, still, he calls you every night. Yep, he calls me every night. So I'm like, oh, he's not in prison. He's not the killer because he calls her every night to say goodnight. So it's now 2003. It's been three years since Linda went missing. Marilyn gets her visitation rights with Jordan after a two-year battle. Rosemary and Dave fight back. They're talking to the news. They are picketing with these long signs that have way too much on them for any cars to drive by to possibly read. Way too many words. A car driving by is not going to know what you're picketing for if you have an essay written on your thing, right? No, it was horrible. Her sweater had too many things on it. It had like those little, you know, fripperies. It had like little like bows and beads and like things hanging off. Very 80s. Again, this was 2003 now. Rosemary, you're, you're on my bad list right now. I don't like those posters. They were poorly designed. And also your sweater. <laughs> and also, they're really going after this grandma, Marilyn, who just wants to see her granddaughter. And they won't let her. So yeah. even when Marilyn wins visitation rights, grandparent visitation rights, they avoid her calls and like won't, still won't let her. So Marilyn has to take them to court for contempt so that she can see her granddaughter. So she wins again. Yeah. And now it's time she's actually going to see her granddaughter and finally get her first visit with Jordan since the contempt hearing. Dennis asked Jordan, what did you do with your grandma that day? Jordan remembers nothing about that day, which is very strange. It's like she doesn't want to remember. I feel like she really doesn't appreciate her grandma and all she did for her to try to get to see her. She's very like, no, I don't know what we did. We probably didn't have fun. I just want to be with my dad. Yeah. Then we find out that we don't know what they did, but the end of the day was unforgettable. Right. What happened at the end of the day? Marilyn has her visitation during the day and drops off Jordan at approximately 8.30. She drops her off. Rosemary answers the door. Dave is in the bathroom, so she says, and Jordan goes in the house. Then we find out through various police reports coming in, you know, oh, there were shots fired. We see a man running all in black, hooded. Marilyn has been shot. Marilyn and Renee. Who's Renee? Oh, poor Renee. Some innocent neighbor friend has also been shot. They were shot in the driveway. Renee was shot once. Marilyn was shot twice. Literally, when they right when they pulled in their car after yeah. dropping off Jordan after her special day with her grandma. They were ambushed in the driveway. Marilyn's shot twice, once at close range. Marnell. Marnell moved back to Tucson who has stayed in touch with Marilyn, the mother of Linda, mm-hmm. her best friend who went missing, was supposed to go and see um, Marilyn and get to visit with her best friend who went missing's little girl, Jordan. She went a little too late. She figured she missed them because they weren't there. She was going to leave a note on the door, but she didn't have paper. And then she realized that she could get home in time to see The Bachelor. So she got in her car and left. But literally, the shot, the thing, they pulled up and got shot really shortly after that, like minutes after. So whoever shot them was probably already there waiting. That's definitely possible and also possible that The Bachelor saved her life. The Bachelor did save her life. Her appreciation for trashy reality TV saved her life. And also that she didn't have paper in her car. Because if she had gotten out to go put paper on the door, you know, a note on the door, who knows what would have happened. Marilyn's sister... Little old lady, Pat, who we love. She is watching the news and she's about to go to bed and she sees on the news that two women were shot on her sister's street. She drives over and it's a full-on crime scene. 
So sad. So the cops immediately put two and two together. We know they were dropping it off Jordan in the midst of this big custody battle and that the daughter, Linda, went missing three years ago. They go to Rosemary and Dave's. Dave says he was at a union meeting. He came home. Jordan got dropped off, but he was in the bathroom. And so Rosemary got the door. So this is the way it gets weird. The cops go to JR. He's been out of the picture for quite a while, but he was so heavily involved in the Linda case that they think he might have had something to do with Marilyn, the mother now, being killed. So he has an alibi. He has kids now, too, and a fiancé. Good for him. The women love that JR. So JR calls Pat, Marilyn's sister, to say, not, I'm sorry that your sister was murdered, but just so you know, I have an alibi, which is just a weird call to make. So weird. But he did that when Linda was missing, too. He really injected himself in the case. He would call people and say, the police are looking at me, but I have an alibi. He called several people just to tell them. The police are looking at me. I don't know if he wanted to be a suspect or he wanted everyone. I don't know. He's maybe he didn't have a lot going on in his life. Maybe he just doesn't know what to do and thinks that like that's what I'm supposed to do is protest all this. And like really, if I'm firm about it, they'll believe me. Not that he's protesting too much. Yeah, too much. We we get it already. Yeah. Yeah. Marilyn, who had been a really fierce advocate for her missing daughter, now that she's murdered, her sister Pat is going to take over, like take on the baton to really find Linda. So it seems that what has happened is after they got out of the car, they were attacked by, all we know is he had a hoodie, he's about six feet tall, and there was no burglary, no sexual assault, nine millimeter shell casings on the ground. Who would have wanted Marilyn dead? Really, Dave and and Rosemary are the only people because they were involved in this custody thing. In fact, she had wanted Renee, the neighbor, to go with her just in case there was an altercation or some sort of fight with Dave. Pat tells an interesting story that during this dispute about custody and visitation, Dave had shown up unexpectedly at Marilyn's house and Marilyn had shown him her house and given him a tour just to show like, look, it's a safe place for Jordan to come visit. I'm not going to run off with her. And as she's showing him the house, she points to her gun and says, I'm not going to be taken down as easily as Linda was, which that might be a little aggressive. And if I were Dave, I might not want my daughter to go to that house either. I do not want my daughter to have access to this gun that my this old lady is heavy handedly wheeling about. She might be a little gun crazy. Marilyn was so concerned about Dave, she warned everyone that if anything happens to her, it was Dave. She even wrote a letter to the police saying, if I disappear, it was Dave. But Dave, again, has an alibi. He was at home. Rosemary says so. Jordan, however, the seven-year-old, can't seem to say where her dad was that night. They interview her. She says her grandma dropped her off. Her stepmom, Rosemary, was there. She's asked Rosemary if her dad was still at the meeting. Rosemary said, I don't, I don't know. And then her dad came in from outside and said he had gotten back from the meeting. And then when they go back to Dave with this story, he says that he was outside messing around with the dog, even though before he had said he was in the bathroom. I think you really know if you were taking a poop or playing with your dog. Yeah, this, is not, this is not like a month ago, right? Or it was that night, probably, they came to him and asked where he was, like just a few hours before. So you would remember. Maybe he was messing with his dog outside and pooping. Maybe he has an outside outhouse. There you go. There is 
That's the answer. And that's not disparaging against Arizona. That is disparaging against Dave and his butt chin. <laughs> Just to be clear who I'm disparaging against. They ask if he still has that gun. It's a the... Ruger. It's a Ruger 9mm semi-automatic. Yes. He says that he sold the gun during his divorce with Linda. That he used to have one, but he sold it. So the detectives, of course, immediately start looking for some sort of an advertisement or something proving that he had sold the gun. They find nothing. But what they do find is they find 9mm ammunition in his gun safe, but no 9mm. Yeah. I feel like if you were going to sell your 9mm, that you would sell the ammunition that went with it. Because there's no point in keeping the ammunition at that point. It's funny because just like Marilyn goes back to the house right after Linda goes missing and discovers blood in the doorway, the other sister that we don't hear a lot from, we hear a lot from Pat, but we don't hear a lot from Bobby. Bobby, she goes poking around the house because Marilyn is living in Linda's house at this point. It's the same house. So there's two murders in the same house. Bobby finds a money clip in the backyard with the initials DDW. Yes, those are Dave's initials. Is it David? I didn't get the middle. I didn't get the middle name. Did you get it? I think Weasel I'm going to go with because of that butt chin. But it has to. Oh, is it DWW? Because his last name is Watson. Then let's go with Dirtbag. Okay, David Dirtbag Watson. Because he has a teenage dirtbag type stash look about him. And so then we also get to hear, we get to hear from a few of Mike friend, Mike's friends coming up. But the first one we hear from is his friend, Mike. Who has the wispiest white mustache, white cotton candy, like a hippie Colonel Sanders, right? I like Mike a lot. He was nice. He's good. I like him because he was honest. And he said that Dave told him when he asked about, hey, I heard your Marilyn got shot or your mother-in-law got shot. Dave said, well, she probably deserved it. Yeah. He said, I don't know what happened, but she probably deserved it. But all three cases go cold because Dave has this alibi. Rosemary said he was Into home. The vault. I would have taken that money clip and gone to Mike if I were the cops and said, hey, where does Dave keep his money? And he would say, oh, he has this money clip with his initials on it. When did he get it? And if he said like 10 years ago, then it would be plausible that it could still be at the house. But if he said, oh, he just got it this past year, he wouldn't. Oh, well, I guess he had visited the house to check on Jordan. Scratch that. He had come to the house to do a, to look at the house when Marilyn showed him the gun. But they also, they found it in the backyard. He could have entered from the backyard. We don't know what the layout is. It seems weird that he would be taking out his money clip. Maybe if he was crouching, it fell out of his pocket. But why would you have a money clip with no money? Yeah, the money true. clip seems like a red herring to me. I have theories about the money clip. Do you think that one of the ants planted it? I do. I think they tried. I think they were trying to get something going. These were cold cases, and I think that they were scared that Marilyn's murder was going to go the way of Linda's disappearance, which it absolutely did. It went into the cold cases because they could not get enough hard evidence, which is annoying because I feel like... Well, they have an excuse for that later when they bring that up at trial. We'll get into that. Yeah, that's They say, we may be old, but we're not senile. And they say they would have put it in the front yard where the murder happened and not in the backyard if they were going to place it anywhere. You think that would have been too easy, so they put it in the backyard. I think maybe they overthought it. I'm thinking about you and me in 40 years trying to... Yeah, we've watched every episode of Murder, She Wrote. Right. These women probably watch a lot of 48 Hours, a lot of CSI, a lot of NCIS. Yeah. And they're like... 
We can't yes. make it too obvious. It's too obvious if it's in the driveway. So, But let's place it in the house somewhere, and maybe they'll think he came in through the backyard. Okay. But did they steal it from him, or did they get one made with his initials on it? No, I think they got lucky and found it. I think he left it in the house somewhere in a drawer, in a junk drawer, because it's the kind of gift you give someone when you don't know what to give them. You're like... I'm going to get something monogrammed. You know, Mm -hmm. it could have been her first wedding present to him or something. And she took it back and was like, you don't deserve this money clip. You don't give me money. Whatever. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm imagining an argument. Mm -hmm. But see what I'm saying? It's something they they felt like, oh, my gosh, we got so lucky. We have something here with his initials. We got to be smart about when and where we plant it. Interesting. I kind of like this story. It's very like arsenic and old lace. I could see this. Because it's Bobby that finds it, not Pat. And Pat was probably up in the detective's business, but Bobby's not. And so Bobby Ooh. finds it. Ooh, I like where we're going with this. There was a murder she wrote that was very much like this. So then who do we get to meet? Who are the next interviews? Oh, it's so good. So it's Dave starts climbing the ranks of the detective department, or the fire de- department. He becomes like a chief, whatever. Captain. Captain. We meet, I call them the three amigos. I call them um, the full cowboys. They're full <laughs> cowboys. They are three cowboy men that worked on the fire department with Dave with huge cowboy hats. One of them has a bigger mustache situation than Dave. Thick Fu Manchu. It's a thick Fu Manchu. And it's like speckled with gray. And all three of them have cowboy hats. There was never a discussion like, dude, are you going to wear your cowboy hat? We can't all wear our cowboy hats. We'll look stupid. There was never that discussion. They were like, no, we always wear our cowboy hats in public, especially when we're being interviewed on NBC. This is our formal cowboy hat wear. And they're wearing dress cowboy shirts. They're wearing dress oh, cowboy, like the that. dress western. So if you know anything about cowboys, I've been to a bunch of rodeos and stuff like that. And there's definitely what a now? way. What now? You've been to a lot of rodeos? Yeah, the way that ranch... I've been to a lot of ranch stuff. Cowboy and ranch stuff. When now? When? So anyways, at my county fair... She's making this up. When people went full cowboy, when you went... Like, if you were showing a pig or showing a cow, you had, like, your dress western wear. Did they have dress bolos? They were not nice enough. They probably did decide that. We're not going to go with the bolo. We're just going to go with the dress western. So they had on a nice, crisp dress western and ropers. They're like their boots and their jeans. It's got stark, dark denim, but it's not the ones you wear to work in. It's the dress ones. It's the best. I was so I love excited. Them. Yeah, I love these men. Yeah. So they're on the fire department with Dave, and there's lots of gossip around the town. He keeps getting these fun new nicknames like Cold Case and Killer. People will be like, the phone's for you, Killer. Or, what's up, Cold Case? But it's all in jest. Three women are dead, but it's doesn't. It's just teasing because they really don't think he did it. He's their buddy on the fire department. He's also an EMT, so he saves lives. He does not take lives. So we just call him those names as a joke. It's adorable. And Jordan, his daughter, is still 100% in her dad's corner. He raised her. He loved her. He did everything for her. He would never kill somebody. Wait, I have something to interject. So I feel like Dateline did a really good job at this point. You've got the three full cowboys. We're showing them on horseback. They're obviously like red-blooded American men being like, there's no way he did it. Followed up by Dave's beautiful daughter. My father did not commit this murder. Dateline does a really good job of he didn't do it. Right. They all seem reputable. Everyone who's defending him seems reputable. The daughter seems a little dead behind the eyes. I'm not going to lie. She seems a little bit like she's in a cult. And also, whenever they show her off camera, 
not off camera, like not being interviewed by Dennis outside, she looks like a completely different person. Yeah, that's weird. I didn't think it was the same person. She is the two-faced girl that Jerry dated on Seinfeld that looked totally different in one booth at the diner than at the other booth. Her chin is different. She has no makeup on outside. She looks just so blah. She's like Anvil. And then when she's talking to Dennis, her makeup and her highlighting, her so cheekbones. So good, right? So good. She's all tan. She looks like a freaking model. The perfect glossy lip. Perfect. And then they cut to her on the street and it's like, who is that pasty girl that has never had a boyfriend? <laughs> and then you see her with Dennis and you're like, oh, she lives in New York and she models high fashion it is so confusing so what happens next so we get it so in 2007 2007 is a big year for two things rosemary and dave divorce Ooh, but i thought they were in love forever no they had two girls each from a previous marriage and then one joint baby no and and there was birth announcements when she adopted jordan no. And Jordan wasn't that into it. So the investigation took its toll on them. That's why they say they broke up, right? But the reason that the investigation took its toll, because what happens in December of 2007 is there is apparently a big break in the case. New information released in the newspaper. That's No, but this it, happens, but they get divorced before then. Oh, okay. Darn it. I was hoping that it had to do with it. Okay. But no. Regardless, there's a big story that is in the paper. You know, the sheriff's department has lots of new information. It's starting to snowball. This case is breaking wide open again, but it's fake. The story is a plant. To them, they have decided that they are going to make an attempt to do this bluff and get some information out of Dave. Yes. So they start really surveilling. They wiretap his phones, and the first thing he does is he calls Rosemary to say, listen, I need to warn you, I just found out that they're investigating me again, which is not exactly what the article said. It was very vague, but it was, again, just a bluff. You know, the cops might come to talk to you. Rosemary is now working as a DJ. Also, she's raising Jordan yeah. primarily because she Weird. adopted her. And I guess maybe Dave works so much at the fire you know, house. But he, they fought so hard for her, and she adopted her and was raising her. But still, I would still think she would go with her dad after the divorce. But she seems to have gone with Rosemary. That also could have to do with the siblings. Yeah. So if Jordan is close with her siblings, she's going right. to go where her siblings are, and the siblings are staying with Rosemary. That's where I, I thought about this. And I think that's – I don't think it has as much to do with Rosemary is that she's probably close with these other two. Gotcha. I don't think she's close with anyone because she, again, seems to be a robot. Dead inside. Really long neck. Yes. Really long neck. Like Audrey Hepburn neck. You know like, what? I did not notice that, but someone on Twitter put a picture of her next to a brontosaurus. <laughs> and that now I get it. Yeah. And I can't tell when she's speaking, like, if she's smart or not that smart. Because she speaks so plainly, but educated sounding. So dead. And, and so cultishly attached to her father that I just did not understand what was going on. The line like, is she just not is she not that bright? So or has like, she literally been drinking the Kool Aid? She yeah, I just she's I just love that life, she's not though. that into her. I know, I feel bad for her, but not that much. But I feel bad I do I she's do pretty? love how, how Rosemary is so obsessed with her and like could not wait to adopt her and she's always Yeah, I don't really care that much about my stepmom. So they are really on to Dave and Dave is worried. Other friends start coming forward with stories. There's this guy Luis Louis, Luis, 
who says something strange that he heard him at a party saying, I know where she's at. And he thought he was talking about Linda. But then someone else says he was talking about a missing dog. And I freaked out. Please do not have there be a dead dog in this story. I cannot handle that. These three ladies are enough. And then there's a photo of him at, at the lake with the dog and a very ill-placed fanny pack that made me rewind like three times because it looked like he had something huge going on in his pants for this dog in the river, but it was just a fanny pack, just a really ill-placed fanny pack. I don't know if you noticed that. It was just... Totally Fanny packs are not a good look. If you're wearing them in the front and they match the color of your pants, then the photo makes it look like you have a giant erection. So Dennis Murphy and Detective Anderson, they go on a little field trip out to Silverbell. Was it Well, mine? this is weird. We go back in time at this point, right? So we go back to 2003, and in 2003, there were some hunters that were out in this... Uh, this is all desert, but the area, yeah, is called the Silverbell Mine area. Hunters find a partial human skull. Because there are so many undocumented border crossers that are coming from Mexico, right. they die in the heat there. So they find so many human skeletons. It's very sad. It takes them forever to get to ID them. So this one skull that they find in 2003, it takes them eight years to get around to even testing it because of all the undocumented border crossers. Gotcha. So two, yeah. in 2011, we get a positive DNA match to Linda Watson. She is the skull. That they found in 2003. Yeah. So the reason that this is important is in 2007, during the time when they're do, they've sort of done this heavier surveillance, this last gasp to try to get Dave Watson, they had put a GPS tracker in his car. And he had taken his car and his horse trailer, his truck and his trailer. They're a little vague. It's somewhere within 1.1 miles of where her remains were found in this massive area. This, this Silver Bell Mine area is really big. So he'd taken his horse out to go riding very, very close to where her skull was found in 2003, later to be identified as hers in 2011. Did I explain that okay? It's weird. They jump between the years really quickly. Did he go out there in 2007, I think? Seven. That's what I was trying to explain. So four years after Dave would appear, went to check on the spot very near to where Linda's skull had been found right exactly um, when this newspaper article comes out when he's starting to be like oh crap yeah when he's starting to panic when they had said they had all this new information on the case and it was snowballing he went to this place in the desert that no one else knew because they hadn't identified that skull yet so and at the time they probably don't know what that means right yeah at 2007 they're like he drove out to the desert that's weird we don't know why and then years later when they identified the head Uh, It's Detective Anderson who's going through all these files. He's like, oh, that's the spot he went to in 2007. And also it's sad that her skull was found in 2003, which is the same year her mom died, who had been fighting for her to be found. It's very sad that all Marilyn wanted was her daughter Linda's body to be found. And it was finally found in 2003, the year Marilyn died. But she never knew that because it wasn't identified until years later after Marilyn was murdered. That's really sad. They always think it's always been Dave. Now, this is where this other cold case comes in and takes over for like four years, which was so lame, right? So lame and really annoying. I didn't even write it down. I was mad. Yeah, it was another Dateline story and a cold case that took over the whole unit's focus for literally four years. 
So they had this information on him, on Dave, that they couldn't do anything about it for another four years until 2015. They're finally done with this other Dateline case. I don't know if they were focusing more on it because Dateline was covering it or whatever, but they finally, in 2015, arrest Dave. He says he's innocent. He pleads not guilty. Jordan cannot believe her dad did it. He wants Rosemary and Jordan to be witnesses for him and alibis and, you know, testify on his behalf. But Rosemary, this whole time, has had a deep, dark secret. And she couldn't live with it. She couldn't look her daughter in the eye. I wish she hadn't been looking us in the eye because I was uncomfortable with her since day one from the get-go. But I couldn't put my finger on it, but now we know. So we jump back to the night Linda disappeared in 2000. So Rosemary says in August of 2000, when she was the alibi. For Dave. Story's not entirely true. By not entirely true, she means not true at all. Completely false. The night that Linda goes missing. The night that he is supposedly home all night, Rosemary wakes up. And Dave isn't in bed. So she walks through the house, sort of peeks around for him, doesn't see him, goes back to bed and falls asleep. She wakes up again a few hours later, gets up again and sort of goes poking around for him because where is he? Finds him outside in the driveway at the back of his Jeep, sort of cleaning stuff up, going through the Jeep. You know, nothing suspicious about that at all. In the middle of the night. In the middle of the night. No, it's fine. Clean out your car. He says he was going for a walk. Right. Exactly, and then hands her a box of latex gloves. That's totally normal. Put these away. And she says, sure thing, doesn't really think about it. If I was married to this guy, newly married to butt chin, and he handed me latex gloves in the middle of the night, I would not be as casual to Dennis Murphy saying, well, we're newly married. I don't really, getting to know him still, like still learning his habits. Maybe he does go for walks in the middle of the night to clear his head and come back with latex gloves. That's totally normal. Maybe that's just what he does. This little quirky things I'm learning about my new husband. And when the cops come and say, was your husband with you the whole night? She didn't mean to lie, but she totally did lie. She did not mean to, yet the words came out of her mouth, the lie. She confronted Dave and said, did you have anything to do with Linda disappearing? He said no, and she believed him. It's her new husband. So she did, She said it looks really bad that he was going for this walk the night that Linda disappeared. I better tell the police that he was there the whole time. So then three years later, they have a baby together. She ad- formally adopts the daughter of the missing woman. The cops come back to her house. The ex-mother-in-law and neighbor lady have been shot. Rosemary, again, says that he was there the whole night with her. He was there when Jordan was dropped off, so it couldn't have been him. What really happened in Rosemary's real world, she says, you know, he's been there. But apparently Dave did not get home until after 9 p.m. He walks in the door. She takes one look at his face, which is white as a ghost. He's sweating. He's clearly panicking. Rosemary sees this, says, what's wrong? He's silent, leans down, kisses Jordan, and shuts off the light. He ushers her into the next room, the kitchen, and starts to take off his clothes. Because why wouldn't you in the kitchen? Right, no, just take, yeah, definitely. Says, wash those, and then goes and gets in the shower. There's nothing suspicious about any of this, clearly. She is now a little bit onto him, though. And when the cops come, she says she was home. She's now saying she was scared. She was a little freaked out. 
what she says is, I just followed his lead. Oh, yeah, I just followed his lead. But then after this happened, his behavior changed. Right. And he had an affair. Right. And this is when she was really, it's almost like she's fine with the three murders, but not okay with the affair. Right. So she has her priorities straight. So she said, I think you killed three women. And his response is, are you afraid of me? He blames her for spreading this suspicion all over town, which was very odd. And then they get divorced and they start fighting over the kids. If you were involved in a custody battle with this man, you should be scared for your life. It makes sense that she could be the next one, right? Right. But she goes to the investigator. She admits that she lies. She can't take it anymore. And when they go on trial against him, she's the star witness. So she's, like, trying to make it right, but it is so too late, right? No, no. I'm. Uh, how many years later are we now? Yeah, 15. And in the meantime, Marilyn and Renee are dead. Yeah, so good job. If she had just not covered the first time. <sighs> I mean, I'm not saying their blood is on her hands, but come on, girl. But their blood is on your hands. So we go to trial. We go to trial. So let's talk, yeah, let's talk about our, <laughs> our trial cast. So our prosecutor. Josh Mosner. We meet him. He's very fit. I can't. He is rock climbing because I can't. we have to now apparently spend time seeing the outdoor hobbies of all lawyers so we can get to know them personally before the case. But they relate it to his case. Apparently before like working a case, rock climbing scratches an itch. It makes him focus. And then he can do this case. He is so excited for this case. He is so pumped. He loves a challenge. He is basically has a hard on for this case because it is going to be a challenge and he's going to get to rock climb all the way up to the truth and rock climb a win. And his partner is the opposite of he being attractive and fit and energized. She reminded me a lot of Melissa McCarthy in Bridesmaids. And so they are a, mi- a mixed matched pair, I would say. Yeah. Uh, in terms of styles. Her name is Nicole Green. She is the co-counsel. And all I kept staring at was her eyes. Oh, I couldn't stop looking at her gelled back hair. It was so bad. Oh, someone on Twitter did ask if she ever blinked. I said, in all caps, wow, her eyes. Oh, and I was like, why is her hair like that? Why is it so gelled back? When your co-counselor is this, like, fairly attractive fit man... I was anno- I was highly annoyed by the rock climbing. Oh, I'm sure everyone was, but I do feel like he was appealing maybe to the jury. I could see the ladies in the jury being like, he's so pumped about this. He's so hyped. So this is October 2016. Trial starts. Finally. Yes. Yes. So they bring up, you know, the money clip, the matching shells, all the odd comments that he made to his friends. The defense attorneys are a husband and wife. We have had very bad luck with a husband and wife law team in the past. The ones from Chicago, you know which ones I mean. They were garbage people. We should have an award session at the end of our season. For worst, worst lawyers. Yes. The 100%. biggest losers. Yes. Okay. So this is, so our new defense team is Natasha Ray and Michael Story. Her hair <laughs> is Michelle Duggar. Yeah, It true. is, but with more gel. Her bangs are floofy and to the side, and her hair is crimped and curly with the gel, and the half back look where you pull back the top half and the bangs are flopping to one side, and they're straight, but the rest of the hair is curly. 
which is how I wore my hair in the 80s. In circa 1991. Yeah, I, in, in junior high in the 90s, that's how I wore my hair every day. But this is now not that time. Maybe it's coming back. The 90s are coming back, but that hairstyle has not yet. She's also wearing a peach suit that someone on Twitter was very obsessed with. It was all peach. The top, the bottom was peach. It had large buttons on it, big buttons that were peach also. When I see when I see things like people wearing peach or pe- people wearing periwinkle, people wearing certain colors, it always reminds me of my grandmother taking my mom to have her colors done. Do you remember when they used to oh do that at God. department stores? <laughs> So you'd go and have your colors done and then you'd know if you were like a spring or a summer or a winter and that told you what colors you could wear and what colors you looked good in. So when I see people go for specific monochrome color palettes that are not a neutral, that are not black or gray or something like that, they read online and they're like, oh yeah, I have blue undertones. I need to be wearing seafoam greens. From head to toe. Yeah. Including the button. Yeah. Um, the large fabric buttons. Do you think that's it? Um, yes, that is exactly what happened. Good. But yeah, she was definitely told that peach yeah. was a good color for her. Yeah. Or like someone told her once, and then she's like, "I'm that's all I'm going to wear, head to toe. Hey, all you true crime fans, this is Mike Ferguson. And this is Mike Morphe. And we'd like to invite you to listen to our podcast, Criminology. Launched in 2017, we've covered a variety of strange cases from murders to missing persons. Some of the cases are ones you may not have heard of. Other cases we cover are some of the most historic in true crime. There are 200 episodes of Criminology available to binge on right now. And new episodes come out every Saturday night. Subscribe to Criminology today, wherever you listen to your podcast. This defense attorney, they bring out the worst defense Mm -hmm. I've ever heard. First, they say Linda did not die. She committed suicide. Uh, they People keep trying to do that. Defense attorneys keep trying to do that. In the last case, they thought that he had come back with a death wish, that the guy had walked back into an apartment with a death wish. He knew that she would shoot him. Yeah, that was shady. And Arf. so they're saying Linda, who was in an active custody battle for her daughter, she was struggling with alcohol, but she was fighting hard for her daughter, killed herself, took her purse, not her pager, and killed herself. We don't know how or with what and why there was blood all over the kitchen floor, but then it was she was gone. So she bled heavily and then escaped without her car, without leaving a blood trail by herself. That makes sense. Definitely. Then they say, you know what? We don't think that Marilyn was the intended victim of the Marilyn and Renee, even though they had just come back from dropping off the little girl in the custody battle. We think Renee was suicidal and she wouldn't get the money, the insurance money for her family if she killed herself. So she hired someone to come and kill both her and her neighbor Marilyn, who had absolutely nothing to do with it. She hired someone, and he was like, oh, Marilyn's there, too. I'm just going to kill Marilyn, too, because I like killing old ladies out of nowhere and then not taking their purses. That makes sense, too. And Renee's daughter is in the courtroom, like, having to hear this. And no one really cares about Renee anyways because she's not involved in the custody battle. It's very sad. We finally get to meet Jr. though. This is when it gets good. Oh, my God. But it's for, like, two seconds. It's why can't they have a whole episode? I want to know more. Why do the ladies love Jr.? We meet him for two seconds. He says two words. He has aged a lot. He was older to begin with. But we've only seen this one picture of him that he could literally be anywhere from 25 to to 40. We don't know. And then all of a sudden we see him and he's 77. 
So it's really yeah. confusing. He has a ton of white facial hair. A beard, too, I think. Yeah, he's old. Also, the judge, the judge had a beard, too. Got a lot more beards now. And not just mustaches. Also, isn't Tucson hot? Aren't these men hot with the stuff on their face? Maybe it blocks the sun from their skin so you don't get a sunburn. Is that possible? I would think the sweat would just roll down your upper lips into your mustache and your beard. And it'd just be wet and musty all the time. Mm. Ugh, I don't like that. But he's he's clearly like a bad boy and still kind of rocks this cowboy he does. bad boy vibe. He you he looked like he was smoking on the stand. That's how much yeah. he didn't give a f. He was like, "Teacher, you're not going to tell me what to do. I'm smoking this cl- in this courtroom. I don't care." <gasps> These men are cool. They're like cowboy firefighters. Yeah. They're cool. Well, not know. so much Dave. I feel like Dave is a dork because of his chin. Yeah, and I feel like he's dorky and wants to be cool. Wants to be like JR, the bad boy, but he's not. That's what I think. Okay, I'll give you that. I think he has uh, um, self-esteem issues because of that. So then we go into the defense's defense besides the terrible Renee, is that they say that basically the GPS coordinates that they took from Dave's car in 2007 when he went out to Silverbelt to ride his horse or whatever that was too close to the body, They only all they had was the printout of the GPS coordinates he visited, but no original raw yeah. data. And then they also said that the family planted the money clip. Oh, yeah, they did buy your theory. But you should have explained it because I didn't buy it when they said it, but I bought it when you said it. So okay. I think that you should have been the lawyer. They also blame Linda's drinking. They said she went out to party that night at that saloon. And then someone was heard in this place called Green Acres, which led to a lot of tweets, people tweeting the little Green Acres theme song. Someone in Green Acres was talking about moving a body. So Rosemary finally takes the stand. Yes. This is when things get good. And by good, I mean really annoying. She is fake crying like I've never seen someone fake cry. Am I wrong? I didn't notice that. Her voice is shaking and she's like, three women died and their lives matter. But no tears are coming. The tears aren't coming. The tears just aren't coming. And she has this handkerchief and she's poking it, pressing it in the corners of her eyes. You know when women do that? But it's because there's no liquid tears coming out. Otherwise, you actually have to wipe under your eyes for the tears. She's pushing the handkerchief in the corner so hard. Maybe I got a tear. See, look, I got a little tear out. There's little moisture on this handkerchief. But there was none. It was dry as a bone in the desert. Segway. So I think she's full of, you know, poop. I don't think she's lying. I just think she doesn't care that these three women died and that she maybe could have prevented two of their deaths. This is where there's a new twist, kind of, in that she brings up that Dave had just found out in the original thing when Linda went missing, in the original custody agreement for Jordan, he had just found out that his own mother was going to testify on Linda's behalf to have custody of Jordan. And that made him snap. Now, he didn't decide to kill his mother, though. He decided to kill Linda, which is very interesting. That was interesting, yeah. The defense says, obviously, that uh, like a woman scorned, Rosemary's just mad because they're getting a divorce and he wants custody of Jordan and all this stuff. And so now she is so she said all that and she never said it before because it wasn't true. But I so they're like, I don't believe her. She's lying. But the woman who's saying it, the defense lawyer has those terrible bangs. So I can't believe her either. I be- don't believe either of you ladies. Because you both have bad hair issues. I was amazed that they let Nicole Green give the closing argument. I thought that was a huge mistake. 
She is not good. No, she makes you want to root for the other side. Not with those eyes. Neither. And none of them were great. But at least that pumped cocaine attorney was pumped. So Jordan is sure that her dad's going to be found innocent, though. I don't know what trial she was watching. That's when I, again, think she's majorly drinking the Kool-Aid. Drunk. Drinking? Drunk in the Kool-Aid. And again, looks like a completely different person on trial. So what does the jury say? So a hung jury after three days. 10-2 acquittal for the Linda murder and an 8-4 acquittal for Marilyn would have been the outcome. So there were a lot more people in favor of acquittal than none. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Interesting. Yeah, so maybe Jordan was watching the right trial. So they're going to retrial right away, and the prosecutor rereads the things, and he's like, I know what I did wrong. I talk too much. we got to have more rosemary. No one ever wants more rosemary. <laughs> that is the worst in seasoning and in life with this woman. It's true. She gets back on the stand. Again, poor Renee is, again, really forgotten. As uh, Dennis Murphy says, a woman who didn't even play a lead role in her own murder case. Her daughter's, like, trying to defend her, and, like, she was meek and mild. She was always there for anybody who needed anything. It's literally a 15-second interview with the daughter. That's all we get. That's it. Yeah. No one cares. So second trial, what happens? What does the jury do? The jury finds him guilty. We've been interviewing Dave this whole time, and he's been wearing a collared shirt in a room with plants and books. So he's clearly in his living room. No, he's not. He walks out. He's wearing a collared shirt over his orange jumpsuit prison pants. And that room was a trick. It was in the prison, I think. Oh, they tricked me again. Decorated that room with a plant. It's really good because all of a sudden, Dennis is doing an interview and he's asking all these hard questions. Says, did you shoot her? Did you kill this person at point blank range? Who do you think did? And you hear an attorney in the background. You hear an attorney next to him go, skip it. And then they do a wide shot. They zoom out to the interview room and you see his orange pants. Yeah, it's good. Oh my God, they got me again. Also, Jordan said he called her every night, and I was like, wow, so maybe he is calling her from prison every night. So it's everyone's very excited. Linda and Marilyn's family is excited. Detective Anderson gets to retire with this case solved. But Rosemary, unfortunately, is still estranged from her adopted daughter, Jordan, who she loves so much. I don't buy it. She finally squeaks out like a couple tears, but still it doesn't seem that genuine. Mm -hmm. And Jordan still sticks up for her dad who's in prison. But Pat is happy, and we're happy that Pat is happy because we like Pat a lot. They do end with a beautiful quote. The truth is sometimes as murky and hard to see as the desert with night closing in. So that's the opposite of what a desert is. The desert is not hard to see at night because there is a moon. (laughs) The forest is hard to see at night. You can't see. It's murky. But a desert is the literal opposite of that. So uh, it's cool. Did you have any uh, alternative titles for this episode? A couple of things. I have What About Renee? <gasps> no joke. That was one of mine, too. No, no way. joke. What About Renee? That was one of my titles. Yes. And not because I think there was some intrigue there, but rather the opposite. I felt like instead of for two hours hearing about these people, let's hear about Renee. And I feel like it would have been really relaxing. I think it would have been like um, watching the Great British Baking Show or something. I think there would have been a lot of doilies in her house and wall telephones with long cords. She would offer you Nilla wafers Mm -hmm. and it would be really peaceful and just really sweet and unstressful. Absolutely. And no cigarettes around, and it would have been just 
just stuck in like the uh, little time warp of like the 80s, 90s in this little grandma's house. And I think it would have been, let's focus on her for two hours. But that wouldn't make a very good podcast, I guess, to talk about. Yeah, it might. Then I had another one, Rosemary's Baby No More. Oh, I like that. Colin Jordan's story. So that would be from the Jordan point of view. And then I have a pun, which would be death in the desert, but spelled like dessert. So death in the (laughs) desert. A dead colon, a battle of custardy. Oh, my God in heaven. You know how I feel about puns. I know. And I really, I went for it. I cannot approve of that. Wow. But it's a joke um, from the British office. Put him in custardy um, when they talk about him putting the stapler in jello. Oh, yeah. I like that. That was It's fun. a trifling matter. Yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah. Okay. So. I like, okay. I like when they do it. What do you have? Attack of the butt chin. Yes. Um, <laughs> Two-faced Jordan. It's good. A twisted tale of hair in Tucson, parentheses, facial and on head. Because I felt like it was really like an educational study in hair choices it is. in Tucson. Who was your MVP? Renee. I had Pat and Bobby, the sisters. And then, I, I mean, the full cowboys, even though they were on Team Dave. Full cowboys. We don't get to see that a lot. That was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, Who'd I liked him too. Pat. I liked her a little eyeshadow. Yeah, I thought she was a really cute little lady, and even though she said she dropped the like picked up the baton, and it didn't seem like she did much after that, she's like 103 years old. So <laughs> I really I was for her. Yeah. My loser was obviously Rosemary. She knew the whole time, I think, and did not care because she got Jordan, and all she wanted was more babies or something. I don't know. I don't know. She really liked Jordan. Yeah. Um, or maybe she did it. I don't know. Yeah. So I've, I, I kind of think she hired someone to do it the whole time. Is that your alternative theory? Yeah. That Rosemary did it. Yeah. Or Renee, who was sick and tired of living across from all this craziness in this house and had an uncurable disease. So she knew she was going to die anyways. And she just wanted that whole mess of a house to go down with her. Because she was like, I've been living across from these crazy people for 20 years, just custody battles and fighting, and I'm. it gave me cancer because I was so stressed about it. So I'm going to off myself. This house is just going to burn to the ground because I'm sick of it. You guys, get your act together and stop suing each other every five seconds, okay? Let's just have a nice, peaceful street. Because that's you know all that's I all want. they talk about is custody battle. When people are going yes. through custody battle, that is the dominant conversation. It's so at every community meeting, at every community meeting, every time she goes to the grocery store, all she has to hear about is the local drama yeah. with Linda and Marilyn, and she was over it. Yeah, she had to finish it. That was my other theory. Or Rosemary hired someone to yeah. do it. Would you have any alternate theories? I don't. So let's hit Twitter because I'm excited to hear what people on Twitter land. So have to you say. think Dave did it? Uh, the only other theory that I had was that somehow Jr. was involved with Dave, that they did it together. I thought that too. Yeah. That yeah. Jr. also he yeah. helped coordinate it because they seemed yes to speak oddly close. Yes. They spoke too highly of each other. And it was like, even though they kind of tried to say in the defense that JR may have done it, they didn't really do that. Well, so they like, were eh. bang buddies. They both banged the same lady. I don't know. That brings thing bros, whatever it is. So maybe they bonded over that. Is that maybe. a thing? I don't know. Bang bros sounds great. I definitely thought that, yeah, they could have been in it together. So what do we have on Twitter? Elizabeth West put together a little picture slideshow of one of the cowboys and Dave and Mike with the wispy white hair. So it's just a picture of facial Wait, hair. D- and says, I thought I DVR Dateline, but obviously recorded some 70s cowboy porn by mistake. 70s cowboy porn is now my new nickname. 
Michelle Bean says only Tom Selleck can rock a stash like that and not be guilty. Taylor Nicole says, at the start of the episode, I felt bad for Dave Winston's butt chin, but now I see why he deserves it. A KDEL said, wondered why Dave's face had orange hues. Reflection from his britches. Yes. She was so smart. So now Dateline is so tricky that I have to look at hues of colors and see, do I see the reflection of orange anywhere? I know. Well, now we know. Inter- now we know that's a new trick they're going to use. They got us this time. Sarah Holmes, Rosemary is the worst. Please stop talking Rosemary. She was with us. Yeah. Norma says, I hate that I believe Rosemary did it more than I think Dave did. That's kind of how I feel, too. Yeah. I just kind of don't like Rosemary more than I don't like Dave. Yora Lamb says, who I love, I always see this person on there. I said that Dave's chin looks like a penis, and now my husband won't look at me. (laughs) Hashtag Dateline. That's what their family was doing at Dateline night. The end table. (gasps) That suit is the worst. The color is peach sherbet with large buttons. Yes, I agree. Dateline producer, I love getting these good, the good feedback. Jordan took time away from college to attend the trial. She is studying psychology. Um, no, she's not, because she is full on brainwashed. So she needs to pay more attention in her classes, which she's obviously failing. Her whole class needs to study her. <laughs> and go, what happens when your dad has murdered three people and you don't think he has anything to do with it? Yeah, that's Let's true. all study you. Adam Swiderski says, these women committed suicide because they knew they'd never grow mustaches like Dave's. And what's the point in living that way? Uh. Rex the TV Terrier, the one that's the dog that tweets, said, Dateline is a great reminder that real trial lawyers rarely look like TV series trial lawyers. No Stephanie March. No. Nope. Nope. No, Dylan McDermott. No one no. looks like you. That's no one looks thing. like that. No. Tom Toshirt. Will Dave's mustache testify against him? <laughs> now that would be interesting. I would really enjoy that. What does the mustache know? Yes. What do you know and when did you know it, mustache? <laughs> Cindy Tandy says, I'm surprised his own mom wasn't killed when she wanted to testify. Right? And what did she know? What did she know against him that she chose to testify for the daughter-in-law instead? I know. What did she know about her own son that made him think that Jordan would be better off Mm -hmm. with the drunken daughter-in-law? Rebecca Crook. If he told me to wash his damn clothes, I'd snitch in two secs. A lot of people were very upset that he just told her to do the laundry. They were like, F no, I'm going to tell the police right now. Wash your own damn clothes. Sarah Holmes, Rosemary's really trying to squeeze a tear out. Hope she didn't hurt herself. <laughs> yes, Sarah, I'm with you. I can't believe I didn't notice that. I'm going to go back oh and watch again. Oh, my God, again. you got to go back and watch. Pumpkin and Doodles. I want to slap that hair gel right off this defense attorney woman's head. Yes, I was with you. <laughs> PGW77, we may be old, but we ain't senile. My new life motto. That is what the lady said, Pat and Bobby. That was wonderful. Dateline producer gave us sometimes the good facts. Sometimes they tweet things like this. Defense attorney Michael Story coaches a local lacrosse team. Thanks. Come on. Producer, we don't care. Of course he does. Did you want to show us that and then show the other guy doing the rock climbing? We'd be like, which one's cooler, the defense guy or the prosecutor? One rock climbs, one does lacrosse. We don't care. Dayline producer said, Rosemary also confided in her new boss at the radio station where she worked. Now I have so many questions. 
because I really think she did it now. Why is she confiding? She confided that she was lying about this alibi to her new boss. So that's the friend because the friend tells her to go forward to the police. So the friend was her boss at the radio station? I think it's a different person. He says Rosemary also confided. I think she's telling everyone she can to cover up for herself. Rosemary, you're going she's to prison. She's blaming it on Dave as much as possible. She's going to prison. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think she's blaming Dave and was telling everyone about it, running her mouth just so she'd have an alibi for her own lying for his alibi. Rayford says keeping secrets did not help Rosemary age well. That's... <laughs> That's valid. Kaiser Sose says, Rosemary is what you call a useful idiot. I disagree. I don't think she's an idiot, but I love the phrase useful idiot. Useful idiot's good. I think she's just complacent. I think she wanted what she wanted. She didn't care who got hurt. Yeah. She just ignored the facts that she didn't like. And as long as she got her baby, she was fine. She was just going to ignore everything else. I guess. I d- Sarah Holmes Ooh, I just noticed the props in the background behind Dave. Fake books and plants. He's got to be in prison. Another person who's smarter than we are. Damn it. But most most of the people on Dateline were very tricked. Good. Most of the people were like, oh, my God, I orange pants. Oh, my God. Yeah. Orange pants. It was pants. a good reveal. It was a good reveal. The zoom out because they, they build it up with the lawyer. And then it's like, wait, why is the lawyer there? And then you're like, yes. oh, snap. Yes. So a woman asked, Linda was declared dead in 2006, and Dateline producer says, yes, Linda's aunts pursued that so that Jordan could get her inheritance. Now, there was an inheritance from Linda? Linda drinking away her money. I was very surprised that there was any sort of inheritance here. They never mentioned that money was involved. No, they didn't. I don't think let's, it was probably not a large inheritance. Or Marilyn, when Marilyn sold her house to move down to take care of Jordan with the family, maybe that money. So when I said that she dropped the baton that she grabbed onto, Pat, she really didn't. She really pushed to have Linda declared legally dead so that Jordan could get that money. I think that's good. She probably used it for college. Yeah, it's really yeah, good. To yeah. study psychology, even though she's the one who needs to be studied. And that's, pre- that's pretty much all I got. People were really into this one, and they were really into the orange pants and the trickery of Dateline, and also all the facial hair. Lots of facial hair comments. What'd you rate it? I give it a 3.8 out of 5 cell phone pings. Really? Yeah. I gave oh, it... A 4. A 4. I'm going to give it a 4. Good. I'm glad, because I gave it a 4.4. I, I mm. thought because I was tricked, I was very pleased. I like when I'm tricked. I didn't know. I didn't know that Dave was in prison. And I thought it was JR for a long time. And I kept being like, why aren't they going back to JR more? Because they didn't interview JR. No, I thought he was dead. I Oh, really? I was like, why aren't they interviewing him? And then I, yeah, anyways. I thought it might be one of those where it was him and he was already dead. So oh. we get no justice. And it was going to be very depressing. Oh, but these men all found ladies, so there's really someone for everyone. In that town, that was the look, and they all had the ladies that loved them. They did. And that lady with the bangs and the peach outfit, she had a husband. She has a husband, and they're successful lawyers. There's someone for everyone. Yeah. So I should get out there more again. That's I'm the moral reminded. from this episode. <laughs> I always get a, a moral. I have too little facial hair. You'll never make it. You don't like hair gel. You, you don't like hair products. You can't make it there. 
We can't make it anywhere. Tucson's not um, the, Tucson's not the home for you. We'll, we'll find no, another home. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Bye, everybody. And remember, don't watch alone.